Good morning, everyone. That was a good rousing entry into worship. Thank you, Cornell. I, okay, welcome to each one of you. We're so glad you're here on this last day of 2023. (laughs) Some that may be a good thing. So, uh, just a few announcements here. It, today is Lou Stead's 90th birthday. And Lou and her family have put together a beautiful little birthday party in the hall for after worship. So please be sure to come in there. There's birthday cake and goodies. And we will celebrate Lou in there. So, um, come. Uh, Just a reminder, Lunch Bunch is meeting on Wednesday at 11.30 at Claim Jumper at South Coast Plaza. So, if you want to still be part of the group, let either Jane Bates or Lou know that you will be joining the group. So... And now let us call ourselves to worship. We're doing a responsive worship today, so you will have your part in it also. Psalm 148 is one that's often used in this first Sunday of Christmas because it glorifies God for the great gift that we have been given. So if you would join me in... Psalm 148. Come together, let us praise the Lord our God, for great is God's holy name. Come now, let us sing to the Lord our God, who honors his faithful people. Come, together let us worship and praise the Lord our God, whose glory towers over the earth and heaven. Worship, honor, glory, blessing, Lord, we offer to your name. As your angels serve before you, so on earth your will be done. All praise forever be to God. Amen. Pray with me. God of grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. Fill us with your spirit that we may celebrate your glory and worship you in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we get to sing one more Christmas carol. So if you would please stand and sing Joy to the World.
You may be seated. Now, we have seen the saving love of the Lord, the glory of God's people, and a light to all. Christ Jesus came to save us, not because of our goodness or our works, but because of the mercy of God. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess together our sin. O God, in Christ, you were born a humble child, love made flesh, God with us. Forgive us when we fail to follow your way of humility, love, and peace. Free us to see your light reflecting in the faces of friends and family, neighbors and strangers, enemies and friends, and make us shine forth with your love. Amen. Hear the promise of the Lord. See, your salvation has come. You are a holy people, redeemed by God, sought out, not forsaken. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Stand. Happy New Year's Eve. I actually am going to start with news that is nothing short of miraculous. By my best estimation, as your treasurer, the church will be closing the books in the black this year. The generosity of this congregation, small but mighty, was overwhelming. It's not a huge margin, but it doesn't matter if it's just a dollar. We are closing in the black. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. So I don't know if you remember the headlines last week. One of the most notable ones was... Bethlehem cancels Christmas. What? What? Bethlehem is located in the West Bank, just south of Jerusalem. And along with Gaza, it is home to the oldest faction of Christians, Palestinian Christians. With war raging in Gaza between Israel and Hamas, a traditional festive Christmas celebration in Bethlehem was canceled unanimously by every Christian leader in Bethlehem. 
The local pastors, however, still anticipated a holy night in the ancient city of Christ's birth and a return to the authentic nativity story. This morning, we are going to pick up in Isaiah chapter 9, the well-known verses 1 through 7, which might actually seem even more familiar to all of us because this is the exact passage that Jason preached on four weeks ago. But I trust that God's message will fall afresh on our ears and on our hearts today. Beginning in verse 1. There will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exultation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Mighty God, we praise you and honor you this day. Thank you for these words from the prophet Isaiah that speak to us today, although they are more than 2,700 years old. Everlasting Father, open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you will transform the human words from my mouth to be truly your words for us today. In the precious name of our risen and reigning Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The world has been weary for a long time, continuing to present day. When Isaiah is writing in the 8th century BC, the northern kingdom of Israel is facing serious military assault by the Assyrians. The opening verses we just read in Isaiah 9 describe a state of darkness and despair in the north in Naphtali and in Zebulun. The northern kingdom is weary from trying to hold off this massive Assyrian empire. 
Fast forward to the time of Jesus. Approximately 60 years before the birth of Jesus, the Roman Empire conquered Judea, and it marked the beginning of Roman control in the land of Israel. Although a relatively peaceful time in the Roman Empire when Jesus was born, the political climate in Judea was charged with messianic expectation. The Jews were praying for a deliverer to come and to rescue them from Roman oppression and rightfully restore the independence of Israel. And this passage from Isaiah 9 not only affirms the persecution and the misery of living under foreign occupation, but it gives the Jews the hope that they're seeking. In verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. In recent months, I've thought a lot about war. Who of us hasn't? Particularly Christians living through war. Whether in Gaza or in Ukraine the two that we're most familiar with, but also in Yemen and Somalia and Syria and Afghanistan and Sudan and Ethiopia. And that's just a few, a few of the wars that are raging today. And the civilians, they're caught in the middle And they're literally in the midst of darkness. Where is their light, O God? Where is their exultation and their joy? And I found no easy answers. But I did find a potential clue in verse 4. Pardon me. For the yoke of their burden... And the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Isaiah was referring to the deliverance of Israel from the Midianites some 400 years prior. The story is recounted in Judges 6 through 8, where Gideon, a judge and a leader of Israel, is called by God to deliver Israel from Midian's domination. And in response to God's call, Gideon assembles a small army. And in a remarkable victory that only God could accomplish, the Midianite army of approximately 30,000 is defeated by Gideon's small but powerful force of approximately 300. The victory attributed to God's divine intervention emphasizes his power and his faithfulness to deliver his people. I imagine that passages like Isaiah 9 bring hope to the weary, particularly those suffering under foreign occupation. And it's these stories of our ancestors and our own personal stories of persecution and deliverance that keep our hope alive. That God 
is listening to our pleas for help. That God has not forgotten about our plight. That God still cares for us deeply and will redeem us from the darkness and bring us light and joy. One day. And that is what the northern kingdom of Israel needed to hear from Isaiah. And it is what the Jews in Judea needed to hear when they prayed for a Messiah and a deliverer from Roman occupation. And it is what the Christian leaders in Bethlehem were mindful of as they continue to pray for peace in Gaza, peace between Israel and Palestine, and an end to this truly awful war. Where are you all today? You grappling with grief during this Christmas season? Missing loved ones who have moved away or who have passed away? Dealing with the increasing physical limitations of age? Have the financial tolls of the last few years caught up to you? Are you juggling more than you feel you can handle? It's this place of weariness where we meet Jesus, where he reminds us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, where, like the poem, Footsteps in the Sand, Jesus carries us when we don't have anything more left in us. It's at this place of weariness that God reminds us through Isaiah that there is joy and exaltation on the other side of darkness and despair. A weary world, a weary me, maybe a weary you. We will eventually rejoice even if we can't see through the darkness right now. As Christians, we always have hope. Despite the imminent threat and the current state of distress, Isaiah prophesies hope. He foretells of a future king, a mere child, who would bring a reign of justice and righteousness and peace. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Jesus pierces the darkness with his light. And as the light of the world, he brings us hope, guidance, and he brings salvation into our lives, dispelling the darkness of sin and despair. The reference to the government being on the shoulders of the coming child echoes the Davidic covenant from 2 Samuel 7, where God promised David an 
everlasting kingdom and a descendant who would sit on the throne forever. The messianic nature of this prophecy is significant to the context of Israel's own history, and it's also significant to Christians as a prophecy fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Unlike earthly governments that are filled with strife and conflict, advancement and war, this child's rule Christ's reign is one of justice, righteousness, and peace. For he will be called Wonderful Counselor. This title emphasizes the extraordinary wisdom and guidance that the Messiah will bring. The term counselor denotes not only wisdom, but the ability to provide astute and effective guidance. The Messiah is envisioned as a source of divine insight, offering counsel that goes far beyond any human understanding and connects us with the very wisdom of God. For he will be called Mighty God. This title asserts the Messiah's divine nature and supreme power. It conveys strength and authority and the ability to accomplish mighty deeds. The Messiah is not merely a human leader, but is identified as possessing the very might and power of God. The term mighty God unequivocally points to the divinity, the divinity of the Messiah. It echoes the Old Testament's declaration of God's might and power, affirming that the Messiah shares in the divine attributes of God. For he will be called Everlasting Father. This title speaks to the Messiah's role as a caring and nurturing parental figure. It conveys a sense of enduring love, of protection, and of provision. The Messiah is portrayed as a source of eternal care for his people. By being called the Everlasting Father, the Messiah is associated with the eternal and unchanging nature of God the Father. For he will be called Prince of Peace. This title encapsulates the ultimate mission of the Messiah, to bring peace. The term prince denotes leadership, and peace signifies not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness, well-being, and reconciliation. The Messiah is portrayed as a leader who will establish a reign characterized by true and lasting peace. By assuming the role of Prince of Peace, the Messiah is identified as the divine agent of reconciliation between humanity and God. I must confess 
that before I started digging into the research on this passage, I was having a really difficult time with the title of Prince of Peace being attributed to Jesus. The world seems like everything but peaceful. There's chaos and conflict and war, and you need only turn on the news for just a few minutes before it shakes us to our very core. World powers like Russia invading Ukraine, Iran helping Hamas and Hezbollah against Israel, North Korea is displaying its nuclear prowess. China is laying in wait, allegedly, to invade Taiwan. And the Geneva Academy counts no less than 110 armed conflicts going on in the world right now. 110 right now. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus beyond a shadow of a doubt, down to my very core. But I just struggle to see peace. When I was listening to an interview with the pastor from the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem, he said that the festivities of the Christmas holiday were being canceled, but of course not Christmas itself. With the war raging in Gaza, he shared hope. He said, even there, Jesus identifies with the suffering. He said that peace is the true message of Christmas. And the Christian community in Bethlehem is united, praying for peace between Palestine and Israel. The authentic meaning of Christmas, we all know this, it's not the festivity and the lights and the decorations and the music, although we love all of that. The authentic meaning is a return to the nativity story in the ancient city of Christ's birth, on that holy night, the night set apart that includes a pregnant mother from a land far away, a makeshift crib in a cave filled with animals and their noises and their smells, a shining star high up in the sky signaling that a miraculous event has occurred if only we lift our faces to notice that star in the sky. And the peace that this baby boy will bring. That was Christmas in Bethlehem this year. My struggle of understanding why there's so much chaos and rage and war in the world. When we've seen the Messiah, we've seen the face of Jesus Christ, it's still a little elusive to me. But I now understand better the term peace, signifying again, not just the lack of conflict, 
but the presence of wholeness, well-being, and reconciliation. We as Christians pray for peace, right? We pray for peace. But we allow unforgiveness and anger and judgment to prevail in our own lives. Aren't we microcosms of the world at large? In ways I don't fully understand, the world outside will not change until each one of us yield ourselves to God and allow him to change us from the inside out and thereby creating the space for the Prince of Peace to bring wholeness and reconciliation. Until we do so individually and collectively, we are missing out on the transformative power of Christ's peace in our lives and in our communities and in our families and in the world. The change has to start with us first. That is my New Year's prayer. That is my New Year's prayer for 2024. Let there be peace on earth. And let it start with me. What are our applications this week? First, if you are feeling weary from the circumstances in your own life or what's going on in the world, know that God is with you. He gives us hope that he will bring us out of the darkness and into the light. Remember Gideon's victory and hang on to that hope. The second application is it's time to take a fearless moral inventory as we head into 2024. Are you holding on to any anger? or bitterness, or judgment, or unforgiveness. It's time to let go. All God needs from any one of us is just the willingness, just the willingness to let it go. I have a visualization that I use. I imagine the prettiest wrapped box. And it's the kind of box where the lid is wrapped also, but you can take it off without ruining the wrapping paper. And I open that box, and I just start pouring whatever it is that's conflicting me. My anger at someone or my unforgiveness, and I just pull every thought as they come and put it into the box and put it into the box. And then I pause and I wait for more to come and put it into the box. And when I feel finished, at least for the moment, I put the lid on the box and I hand the box over to Jesus. It's not mine to worry about anymore. It's his. 
It's not a perfect system. But what it does is it signals to God and it signals to me that I am willing, willing to let go and be free of the noose that those negative thoughts hold on me. It's the first step in cultivating a space for peace, a space where God can begin to sow those seeds and grow peace in my life, a peace that will overflow from me to you, to our community, and out into the world, even as far away as Gaza and Ukraine and the other conflicts going on in the world. We don't have to understand how that's going to happen. That's the business that God's in. It starts with us. May it be so. Will you please pray with me? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Create in us a clean heart where love and peace will thrive. Change us from the inside out that your peace may overflow from us into a weary world that desperately needs a fresh touch from you, Lord. Lord, we do pray for peace in Israel and in Gaza and in Ukraine and in the 108 other armed conflicts raging in the world. May your peace prevail in the name of Jesus. Write these truths on our hearts that we may honor you, Father, and enjoy you forever and ever and ever. Amen. Good morning. May I say Happy New Year to you? I will not see it next Sunday. Um, We are going to sing something that we didn't do before. But uh, this is a time for us, all the men to feel like Pavarotti, and all the women to feel like, let's say, Leontine Price, the great soprano. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a um, different arrangement that I'm trying to do instantaneously with your help. So kind of watch me. I'm going to try to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to use my head, most my hands, because they are busy, so they are the feet on this one. So let's do a holy night. We're going to do verse number one and verse number three.
from the fullness of God, we have all received grace and gifts. And now it is a time for us to be able to give back, a time to bring our offerings and our tithes. So at this time, if the ushers would come forward and receive those offerings.
We come bearing our gifts, merciful God. They are but a portion of the treasure you abundantly give to us. With them, we also commit our time and energy to be Christ's faithful servants. Use all that we bring and all that we are to bless your holy name. Amen. As we go into a time of prayer, I'm going to share one of my very favorite scriptures, Jeremiah 29, 11. may be very familiar to many of you, but it seemed right for today. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And with that thought in mind, let us go into a time of prayer. God of all beginnings and God of all middles and endings as well, We bow in your presence as we begin a new year in just hours and confess our dependence on you. Without you, we would have been overwhelmed by past events. Be our guide through another year. May our light shine before others in our daily life that they may see the things we do and give you the glory. Make us doers of the word and not hearers only. And grant that when the new year is done, we may hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Bless our land, that there may be peace within our gates and prosperity within our borders. May our elected officials lead in such a way that justice is strong and our nation confident in united and mutual support of all people as we work together toward common goals and vision. O God, you have chosen leaders to train your people in the ways of Jesus Christ. We thank you for those who have been called to serve in positions of leadership in this church and for their response to the call. As the members of session and deacons meet on Saturday for their annual meeting, bless those called to be deacons who lead us in service and caring. May they follow the example of Jesus Christ in serving the church. Bless those called to be elders, that they may govern fairly and wisely, guided by your direction. Strengthen those whom you have chosen, that they may serve you well. We pray today for your blessing upon all who are in particular need. We pray for those in our congregation and in our families whose world is a sick room. We pray for those whose welfare is threatened by hunger, homelessness, or unemployment for those whose future is challenged by illness, loss of a loved one, or despair. We pray for healing for Patty Ernest, 
for Buzz and Keith Costlin and Terry Welch. We pray for Mike Blackwell recovering from surgery. And we pray for all undergoing procedures and surgeries this week. We pray for those who are lonely, for those in any distress, for those we love the most. And we give gratitude and thanks for your healing mercies in those who are recovering. Take us to the places where people hurt and show us how we can help. Give us love that cares. God of compassion, you have shown us in Christ that your love is never-ending. Enable us to love you with all our hearts and to love one another as Christ loved us. We pray now in the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In Luke, Scripture tells us, Go and tell this good news of joy. To us a Savior is born. And as we sing our final hymn, we are reminded of those words, and we are reminded that we are sent forth to bring the good news. So please stand as we sing, Go Tell It on the Mountains.
Thank you, Cornell. In the 8th century BC, Isaiah prophesied. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And for all of us and everyone in between, Jesus and today, we have seen the face of God. And even if we don't understand how light casts out darkness, how people can go through unimaginable horrors, we do know that Jesus is our hope. And we do know, as we just sung, that in Jesus' name, all oppression will cease. All oppression. May the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today as we enter into 2024 and forevermore. Amen.